On this week's episode, we recap the Game Awards. It's a disappointing chapter for a West Side Story. And Netflix says, see you, Space Cowboy. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, Humanican Media, and of course everything that we do here at the Pop Culture Cosmos because we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. So catch all of our games all week long at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, you can catch the latest news and trends of pop culture each and every day right here at Facebook, at Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is our own Matrix Awakens from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and catch everything that he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, plus his great things that he does as part of the Pop Culture Cosmos, including his great shows, Topicocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get right now at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey, just sitting here trying to enjoy the Christmas season a little bit, but finding that I am far too busy to enjoy any of it. So I hear you. Taking it in stride, you know? I hear you indeed, my friend, but we are going to go ahead and knock out another great hour of pop culture content. We truly appreciate everyone around the world that listens to us on radio and podcast outlets worldwide for joining us. Got a lot to gather in there for this week. My friend has only got a couple weeks left with us before he has to go on paternal leave, so I want to make it enjoyable as I can for him because we've got some great conversations Before we go ahead and talk about anything else, and we set up everything else for today, including talking about the box office weekend, which had some disappointing results, Netflix canceling a very divisive show in Cowboy Bebop, and the internet has really wreaked havoc on that, talking a little bit about what's coming up this week with The Witcher and Spider-Man and MacGruber, two major deaths in pop culture, and the Game Awards, of course, we're going to recap that. I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on Halo Infinite because he had a chance to spend some time with it. So let me know your thoughts, my friend, on Halo Infinite. I really like this game. Okay, first of all, let me let me just break down some things, all right? The opening mission's really cool. It really does feel like a bigger game, like all the linear aspects of what happened before. I know they started to open up a little bit with Halo 4. Halo 5 became a little more linear, but... They had talked about this game being a lot more open, and they really did deliver on that point. It's fun. It's not a 10 
I think it's deserving of the nines it's getting, though. I mean, it just even though it's so great, it, just, it still feels like something's missing from it. But having had a chance to play it, like they do a good job, like narratively too, like making you you start the game, you're floating through space. They give you a brief like introduction to the fight with like Atriox and all that. Introduction to the banish, you get picked up. They just like give you little crumbs throughout the story without literally like giving you all the detail. You know, they don't spoil it for you. They keep you clinging to that narrative as the game progresses. I'm about three hours in right now. It looks like it's. I'm someone who likes to do all like the side quests and stuff. So it's probably gonna have that story OCD as you said. Yeah, exactly. It's probably gonna take me a long time to get through this game. I mean, I'm sure I've I've heard people are playing through in like seven to eight hours, but it's probably gonna take me anywhere from like twelve to sixteen. But okay, I'm sorry. I'm like I'm going off the chance here. I'm I'm just excited to go back to Halo. And you know, you get into this first level where you're going through this ship trying to free yourself from this Star Wars like tractor beam. The ship itself is huge. You know, you're, there's like all these places you can go, all these enemies coming at you. I'm playing it on normal right now just because I don't have the time. I'm, I'll probably go back through and do Heroic and Legendary next, but I just I want to enjoy it for what it is first. But it's still challenging. There's a lot of places to go. The ship is huge that you start out with. Like those opening missions, I don't know where, like on Kotaku, they're saying that like it, they're not good or they're stale or whatever, but I thought they were great, you know, and there's... Enemies coming at you from all sides. There's debris flying all over the place. It's a very, very active level. It's fun. You do those first two parts. Like one of them, you're floating in space. Like it's, it's a genuinely good buildup to those moments where you actually come out onto the ring. So once you get on the ring, they have these. The maps divided up into sections, and you can. It's called Zeta Halo, isn't it? Zeta Halo. Yeah. Like I at this moment, I don't really know much about. It. I know that it's broken. Right, and you picked up this new AI, and she was supposed to delete Cortana, but something happened, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. The coolest part about this so far is that the map is broken it up into pieces, so it's like it's open world, but it's not like super open world. You know, like it's not you don't have the freedom to go anywhere you want to right away. You have to kind of stick within the confines of where the game lets you go at first. So you go to this place, and they have all these little side quests, and you can like defeat the banish at their outpost you can go rescue unse soldiers and they'll follow you into battle so it makes it easier to fight these people at these outposts and as you go there's like random banished spread out throughout the map you can destroy all the calm towers where there's like propaganda coming through there's a lot of extra stuff on here and the rewards for doing this stuff is you get data pads that help uncover more of the store and you also get these spartan cores which lets you upgrade your armor so going out the gate, you're, you know how in like Halo 2 and 3, like your shield feels like it's powerful, right? Like it takes a lot of bullets to really get that, you know, in this one, your shield is not powerful. You have to get these Spartan cores and it helps you build up your shield. So anyways, that's about where I'm at. My favorite part though about this game, like I do love the grappling hook. It kind of lets you swing around like Spider-Man. Like you it makes everybody else that has been playing it. Yeah, it it really does make a lot of things that would be hard to get easier to get to. Like, with the exception of these chunks of the map that are closed off because you have to activate bridges to go across to them, and that's something, that's a progression thing. But you really can go anywhere. It makes the the map that much more traversable because you don't have to go through the, the paths that are laid out for you. You can, like, climb over mountains and stuff, so that's really cool. But, you know, I will say my favorite part about this game so far is that it's beautiful like it feels like i'm walking around this like state park you know where there's like big trees and everything and like you reach the top of these cliffs and the soundtrack 
place. You know how like they did that in Skyrim? Like when you got to the top of a mountain or you're in this like calm, lush meadow, you this like really calming music plays and just makes you feel really good. Like that's what Halo Infinite does. And I really appreciate that. Anyways, I'm sorry, my my review thus far is all over the place, but like I'm enjoying my time with this game and it feels good to go back. I am hoping that as we go on, the narrative is going to be satisfying because the gameplay delivers, the soundtrack delivers. Like it's it's truly a great game. The only thing that could ruin it for me at this point is how good the story is when it's done. Do you have any thoughts out there on Halo Infinite? I know that's been out in the wild, the campaign for about a week now. Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear your feedback on everything that's going on with Master Chief, say the Halo, the whole nine yards, banished, everything else included in there. Please let us know your thoughts on Halo Infinite at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, Twitter. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram, all over. Plus, of course, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Want to give a big shout out to our good friend and former guest on the show. He's always welcome back as well, Einar Haraldson. Want to give you a big shout out, my friend, and wish you luck on your latest picture that you are a part of. So everyone out there, please check out No Time to Think when it hits theaters and on VOD. Please go ahead and check it out. He has a good role in it, and he's very excited about that upcoming project. So please go ahead and check out the movie when it rocks Switzerland and worldwide to theaters and VOD. But we've got a great show to talk about, including the latest box office reports, my friend. I want to ask you this. Here we go again, my friend, with something outside of the box, outside of the superhero tropes that didn't perform again in this pandemic box office that would normally, most likely, be a pretty good hit. Because you've got Steven Spielberg, got a retelling of a classic, very popular movie musical, and you also have a movie that has garnered tremendously good reviews. You think you put all that together in the past, this would have probably gotten 60 to $70 million domestically and about maybe over $100 million worldwide in its first weekend at the box office. Unfortunately, my friend, in today's box office where adults are just not seeing these type of movies, these mid-tier movies that are just not bringing audiences, again, we have a situation where a movie that deserves more love is just not getting it. It came in at... A, disappointing ten and a half million dollars domestically and it's not earning a whole lot more worldwide i want to say that this is really disappointing the fact that a movie you and i covered earlier this year a musical in the heights which had controversy with it it was well reviewed but it had a lot of controversy with it that earned more in its first weekend than this so i want to hear your thoughts on what's just not connecting with audiences on these type of movies Maybe it's musicals. I'm not sure. I, I don't know what, what's going on with it. But, you know, here's another movie that could have, in a different limelight and a different time frame, could have really done well, but unfortunately just fell flat. You know, I know we talked about this before in the Heights. Like these musicals, they have more hoops to jump through than like your standard film. Because if you look at the audience that it caters to, like there's more expectations outside the normal like does it have a good plot or or how is the how is the cinematography and editing like there's more hoops to jump through it's like 
how is it casted? How is the music performed? How do the actors interact with each other? How is the stage? How is the lighting? Like I'm teaching about this in class. Like we talk about elements of drama. Like what is Aristotle's six elements of what makes a good drama? It's like technique, acting, you know, stage setting, performance. Like there's all these other things that musicals are, you know, they get judged very heavily on. And I think that in the Heights suffered from this, I think mainly because of the controversy surrounding the casting, which was really unfortunate. But, you know, looking at West Side Story, not only does it have to deal with this stuff from being a musical, it's also an adapted classic. And it's a... Um, well, it totally has Steven Spielberg. I mean, it's been yeah. noted by critics that it's actually dealt with the retelling of the story in a proper fashion and actually fixed a lot of the issues that was wrong with the first one. It right. has no controversy, and it comes out in a week where it is the only challenger to itself because Encanto's been out several weeks, and everything else has been out several weeks, and everybody else is geared up for Spider-Man this coming week. So this basically right. had a week to, to itself and unfortunately barely beat Encanto, and that's just not a good thing, man. Yeah, I mean, and here's here's to be honest with you, I know we, we always talk about marketing, like, I didn't even know this movie came out this weekend. Like I knew that it was coming out. I'd seen, I was like, Oh, Hey, they're doing a remake of West side story. But outside that, I haven't seen any trailers, haven't seen any release dates, haven't seen any banners. Like I've seen literally nothing talking about this movie. So perhaps that, perhaps that might be an issue that we're looking at here. I don't know. I do plan on watching it. I really do want to see it. And I want to watch in the Heights. And I, still. And I still want to see that Andrew Garfield movie that just came out. Tick, where tick, he, boom. Yeah, so I don't know. There's a lot there that I'd like to see, and I do like West Side Story. I, you know, I've seen the original. I've, I haven't gotten to see it live. That'd be cool. But you know, I'm a big fan of Spielberg, and from what I saw in the trailers, it looks neat. I don't know. Maybe it's suffering from uh, being an an adaptation of something in these like times where everything is has like a an agenda. I don't know. Like it's it just seems weird to me though that people aren't going to people aren't really digging this film i don't i don't i don't even know how to look at it and it's, it's possible that's just because it is something in the theaters that's not a big franchise you know maybe it's suffering from that but i don't know i want to watch it now more than ever so that i can kind of gauge like what maybe what are the flaws with this movie it's just if it's not an event film people are just not going to it it's just apparent exactly. in the days and it's... age of pandemic they're just not making the effort right. to go to the theater for it and that's a shame because what House of Gucci is probably the only non-huge event film I've seen in the past few months really to get any kind of foothold. And that was only for a short period of time before it is now underneath 10 million grossings as far as because it earned a lot in its first week as far as over $20 million and then has fallen flat from there. But I mean, I'm talking yeah. about any of these mid-tier movies, these horror movies, low budget that always earned a big opening. All these movies that you know, we're it basically are the foundation of what the box office is all about. They're not yeah. hitting. And all you have left is just the event movies and the superhero movies that they're the only ones that are earning any kind of money at the box office. They're the only ones right now that people are actually going out to see. And that's to yeah. me is a shame. Yeah. And you know what might be another issue? And like, I know this is kind of a varies based on the individual but i i'm i'm thinking that this might just not be a good weekend for movies to come out because like we're in this period in between thanksgiving and christmas right everybody's working there's christmas parties kids have events like my kids just had a christmas program this past week like there's just 
so many things going on. And I just, I don't know if like, this is the weekend where people are going to go see movies. Like I, I'm curious to know what the box office numbers will be next weekend because it's, you know, we're getting closer to Christmas or as the holiday well, weekend approaches. Well, next weekend's going to be huge because Spider-Man's coming out. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, you got to spend that, those thousand dollar eBay tickets. You know, that's, that's when people are going to cash them in. I can't believe that happened. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it could be a number of factors. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say that it's not doing well because it's not good because there could be other factors there. But then again, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't really say. I mean, like, it's got oh, an 86 on Metacritic, man. <laughs> How much more yeah, you can it, ask from it? And, and it's got Steven Spielberg as the headline director, who I who right, had mate. said last week was the only real director you could put in front of it. Maybe Clint Eastwood, and it would draw an audience because yeah. you know they're just so, such a name value but yeah i guess this there is no just, guarantees right now right we're in just a weird time right now where it's hard to say that a movie is flawed because the issue with the poor box office returns could just be the fact that nobody's going to the movies to watch these it's not like oh hey that actor sucks or like is really poorly written or something like that it might just be the fact that people are not going to see these types of movies and that's why it's doing so bad what are your thoughts out there on the latest news coming from the box office and the disappointing returns initially for a West Side Story? Maybe West Side Story will click with audiences the rest of this month. Like Josh says, maybe when people have more free time on Christmas break and whatnot, maybe people will catch it. But the initial offerings for Steven Spielberg's very highly appreciated by critics West Side Story is underwhelming to say the least. Please share us your thoughts on why this happened and why no one seemed to make an effort to go really catch this great film. Something I do want to go ahead and catch myself. I'll probably catch it you know, on VOD. I think that once it hits VOD, it could see a revival then. And with Disney and 20th Century Fox, I think the question now comes, do you put it on Disney Plus or Hulu? I'm certainly thinking that Disney Plus, it needs to go on sooner rather than later. But share us your thoughts on the disappointing box office weekend. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! There's still so much more to talk about on today's program, my friend. We're talking... The biggest news story of the week and the most talked about on the internet was something we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, and that's Cowboy Bebop. I mean, you had your thoughts on it. I shared mine on it. You said for you it was, it was worth the watch up until the last episode. With me, I thought it was a good watch all the way through. The word coming out very divisive amongst fans to individuals who hadn't or weren't familiar with the anime it just seems like it was just this divisive thing and critics were overall not very favorable of it. Some liked it. Most didn't like it. But the show itself had been watched by 74 million viewers. So you can't argue with that. 
Now, maybe the decisions that came from Netflix stem off the fact that they weren't watching it all the way through, but Netflix decided this week to cancel Cowboy Bebop after only being out and available for a little over three weeks. I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend, because you, again, are more familiar with the anime than I am. This is something that I'm really finding disappointing that they're not giving this a second season. I thought, again, I am very high on this show. I thought it was really good. It had some flaws. I thought the actors, especially Mustafa Shakir and Daniela Pineda, were extremely well-placed as far as for their characters. I thought they were outstanding as Jet Black and Faye Valentine. John Cho... He was all right. Take it or leave it on that one. I, I, I think that was probably an issue. I, I heard like old guy cosplaying and things of that nature as far as jokes continuously on that one. But Cowboy Bebop for me was a very good experience all the way through. I was interested all the way through. I understand that people at the same time were loving Arcane, the League of Legends series, which has earned tremendous praise and a season two renewal from Netflix right away. but. I'm just very saddened because there is so much reaction on the internet. There's nothing that has equaled it in the past few days in regards to this. So I want to hear your thoughts on Netflix canceling Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, okay. So as I'm watching this show, I started to like it a little bit more with every episode. You know, there's some places where it dragged, but for the most part, it was not an adaptation of the anime as much as it was like a retelling of those stories. And from that point of view, I really appreciated that. Like I appreciated in the anime, you know, Jet Black gets his time to shine a little bit. But in this one, they really like rounded out his character and his struggles with his daughter and with the ex-wife. And like, I really found that stuff interesting with like Mustafa Shakir was really good. I, I cannot yeah. stress how how impressed I was with him. Yeah, one of my favorite aspects of the show was how they went into detail about what happened to him, you know, and how the guy who stole his wife, right, knew that Jet was innocent, but he wanted his wife, so he... Yes, but they worked together at the police office, yes. Yeah, he, but he, this guy knew that Jet didn't do what he was being accused of, but he didn't stand up for him because he he wanted his wife, and like that was something that was really interesting to me because I wanted to see how that played out as the show went on. Like, does he get his revenge? And then at the end, they left him in that spot with like his daughter calling this guy dad and making him just feel so bad about himself. So I was interested in seeing more about that. They fleshed out Faye Valentine's character. They fleshed out Faye Valentine. Like I wanted to see more about where she came from. Like there's a lot of things in the cartoon that you like wonder about or the anime. I'm sorry, that you wonder about and they don't really like fully flesh out because the focus of the anime is the story of Spike and Vicious, which, you know, rounds out pretty well in the end. But in the show, I don't know. It was good up until that last episode. And they took those creative liberties. They made Julia want to take over the syndicate. They tied up Vicious. They Which I like made... because it gives Julia something to do or would have given Julia something to do in season two. Yeah, but it also feels like it would have been just like a rehashing of the same story in season two. Like it would have been cool to have a bigger force in the universe in the syndicate but anyways it, it, we're never going to know where the show would have gone from well that's what i want to ask you i mean hmm. 74 million people did view this if netflix just releases the rights and cancels it technically that makes it available to any other outlet out there or network or anything of that nature to go ahead and pick it up with tomorrow studios 
So I ask you, could this or should this see the light of day? I think it should, but I don't think it will on some other platform. I think maybe an Amazon or another outlet should pick this up simply because of the fact that so many people actually took the time to see it. Yeah, and here's the here's the the biggest point though, like at right now that's risky because you have so many people like talking about it's very divided like you said you have but a, it's, a it's talked about no there's no it's, other show in the past few months that, that have had more but now you're taking a show that is based on a beloved franchise and you're giving it a season two which it has not even gotten in the anime and so like you have the ability to either make or break the way people view this property and i think that that's going to be the tricky part if somebody ever picks this up like you are literally holding a huge card that is already doomed to fail based on like people saying oh no don't adapt this leave it alone you know and that's why i think akira has gone through so many hoops over the years is because people are afraid to touch it yeah but netflix is going to be doing one piece and other anime properties as far as live action adaptations i mean come on man this is something that you know, you can't buy this kind of press. And it took them getting canceled in order to get this kind of reaction out of people. Because this is not something where like 10 or 20 people or you see a few likes or dislikes or tears. You're seeing hundreds of different reactions. Our post this week at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, it is by far and away the most reacted to post of anything I did this past week. Yeah, and I've been getting pop-up notifications of people commenting on them. And you know what's the most interesting part about this to me is the fact that it was canceled so soon after the show came out. Like, that was something that just, it completely, it blew my mind. Like, maybe something went on behind the scenes, I don't know. But everyone's blaming it on, like, woke culture or, you know, just the anime adaptation, don't touch the classics. Like, there's all these different excuses going around the internet about why it got canceled. But I feel like just because of the speed it was canceled at, there's maybe something else going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's a contract issue where Netflix wasn't allowed to make material past the first season based on the contract with the company that made the original show. I don't know. It's just, it seems very interesting. And I'm curious if because of all this publicity, Netflix will go back and say, okay, well, maybe we will make a second season or if somebody else will pick it up. If I was Amazon or another outlet, Hulu or someone that can post that kind of edgy stuff that's out there, I would seriously consider it. Absolutely seriously consider it. Even if it's terrible or if it's just another season of it, just to get that kind of reaction. I mean, because you're talking at least even half that kind of interest into it will bring new viewers to your outlet. And even the people who are like, oh, it's going to be so bad, they'll watch it just so that they can comment on it. It's like a car crash. You just can't stop watching it. But I want to hear your thoughts out there. You've heard us, but I want to hear you. On Netflix's cancellation of Cowboy Bebop, are you sad or are you glad that Netflix quickly pulled the plug on Cowboy Bebop after only three weeks on the air? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And let us know if you're going to go ahead and catch the entirety of season one now that it's, you, know, you already know it's fade. And if you want to see it pop up somewhere else, please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But before we hit the break, my friend, I want to go ahead and cover just a few things before we hit the break because we've got the back half hour devoted to the Game Awards. I want to hear your thoughts on this real quick. 
Spider-Man No Way Home, The Witcher, MacGruber. <laughs> I wonder which of these three properties that are coming out on the 17th is going to get the most attention. We know about Spider-Man No Way Home, my friend. I know you said you wanted to go ahead and share some thoughts on The Witcher Season 2 coming up the 17th on Netflix. Sorry, MacGruber on Peacock, but, you know, what can I say? We're all dying to see MacGruber. It's going to be like the best show of the year. Yeah. Yeah, so The Witcher. I have seen that some earlier reviews are coming out, and earlier reviews for episodes like one through five or six have been given a seven by IGN. And not that I really trust things that IGN says because they've gotten really snobby with their reviews. And, you know, I don't like review culture anyways, but I don't really have any expectations for The Witcher season two. Like I've loved what they've put out so far. And I, to me, it feels like Lord of the Rings. Like a lot of people hated The Hobbit, but I was just happy to go back. It's to got a world. 75 overall on Metacritic. So people are just saying it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, not, not great, yes. but pretty good. I so, mean, and I think that's all that needs to do because it has such a huge following. That's all it needs to do. And just right. like that, on the HBO Max, terrible reviews. It's getting like a 56 right now. But that is the most popular show ever to debut on HBO Max. So people sometimes just, you know, like you said, critic culture, they'll bypass it. But this is getting not too bad reviews for season two. So. I'm expecting good things, and you know, Henry Cavill's going to brood all over the place, and he's going to slice up a few CGI monsters, and there you go, man. There you go. What more can oh, you ask? That's all you can ask for, yeah. I mean, you know, as for expectations, I don't have any expectations. I think that's what excites me the most about The Witchers, because I'm about to start book three, but like, for the most part, I just enjoy being in that world, you know? I don't really care what happens or how it happens. What are your thoughts out there on the upcoming week for Spider-Man No Way Home? A lot of people are excited to see. They've got their tickets already in hand. Maybe some people even bought those tickets on eBay for $1,000 plus. We'll see what happens there, but that's coming up this weekend. Plus, on the 17th, you've got The Witcher Season 2. That's coming up on Netflix. I know a lot of people are excited for that one. And then, of course, you've got MacGruber coming up on the 17th as well on Peacock unfortunately i know who's going to run number three on that one but if you have any thoughts on any of these properties coming up this week please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com when we come back we're going to be talking everything that we saw in the game awards and pay respects to two great icons of pop culture on the back end of the show as well this is the pop culture cosmos and if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Josh Peterson and me, Gerald Glassford, coming right back at you here. Thank you so much for watching and listening. My friend, the Game Awards is something that has grown from such a small outlet to something that was a whole four-hour ensemble. You've got world premiere debuts, and of course, you've got the awards everybody's talking about as well. Finally, I can say that this was a job well done. Uh, I did hear good things about it, though, and from what I understand, you know, the people I've talked to, it sounds like this has become the new E3 for them, like the experience of 
finding out what's coming out. Like they're getting more out of it than they did E3, which is cool. You know, it's awesome. And it's definitely become something. It wasn't much of something before, but now it's it's slowly been building over the years and now it's become like a very premier thing. Well, I've got the whole entire list of what was covered, so we'll cover it in as best detail as we can over the course of the next half hour. I want to go ahead and start off with the Halo TV series and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie announcements. Your thoughts on each? For Sonic the Hedgehog, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's more of what we got with the first one, yeah. except they got Tails in this and Knuckles and Robotnik's back. I have a feeling that this one's going to be more like cartoony than the the last one was just based on the fact that it's not telling an origin story. It's not developing like human characters anymore. It seems to revolve more around the video game characters. Halo TV series coming next year to Paramount Plus. I know you and I are going to catch it. It looked exactly how I thought it would, you know, kind of the way they portrayed Master Chief in the uh, Forward Under Dawn series. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I'm curious, like, where in the Halo universe is going to cover? Are they going to do like origin story of Master Chief, or is this going to be post Infinite? But I haven't gotten to the end of Infinite yet, so I don't know if that's possible. But it looks cool. It looks like something. I don't know. I mean, it's. I don't hate what I saw, so it's definitely something I am going to be tuning into when I get the opportunity. But it is Halo TV series coming to Paramount Plus. The Matrix, in preparation and the marketing, as they mentioned in the demo itself, has its own Matrix Awakens with the Unreal Engine 5 experience. You get a chance to check out some of this. It's basically one long extended cutscene trying to show off the Unreal Engine 5, and then the rest of it, the game itself, or the experience itself, is a walking simulator that you can make extreme adjustments to as far as the lighting, the graphics, the detail... You can play with it at ad nauseum because of the fact it's just a showcase for Unreal Engine 5, and it's a walking simulator within the confines of a cityscape of the Matrix. So I want to hear your thoughts on this. I thought it was interesting. I'd love to see a real game made out of this. Unfortunately, they'll probably never do that, but I thought it was cool enough anyways. Yeah, it's a neat little gimmick. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of back in the early 2000s when like new metal bands were putting out playstation 2 games inside their albums like you can put a separate disc and play around with different things like yeah i mean it, it does look cool i mean it's been a while since we've had a matrix game and i guess what happens with anything matrix related is going to rely heavily on how the matrix 4 performs let's go rapid fire on this as far as the trailers are concerned so i'm gonna go ahead and do as best i can a job on this so you tell me your thoughts man tunic indie game that's coming out that looks like a yeah. really cool impressive zelda clone with a fox yeah, yeah so mm -hmm. tell me your thoughts on that man this has been a game that's been in development i want to say for the past four or five years because I, I remember seeing footage of this like a long long time ago it looks really good um, it looks really interesting yeah most definitely it's something that i am interested in checking out and it's something that people who have been following the game for this long are still keen to play it king of fighters 15 I saw a cutscene into an actual gameplay of it. I was not as impressed, and I was even less impressed with it once I saw another fighting game, which we'll talk about here in a bit. But King of Fighters 15, it's got its own niche of fans, but as a fighting yeah. game, I don't consider it in the upper echelon of fighting games. No, definitely not. Like, I'm surprised this franchise is still around. You know, there are people who like it. It's much like Virtue Fighter. Like, I didn't realize Virtue Fighter was still a thing, but there seems to be a, a decent following for it. 
The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's coming, I think, from the folks who brought you the Friday the 13th game. It's going to be mm-hmm. something that I think is going to be in that similar vein where it's a group of kids or a group of people like battling against the Texas Chainsaw guy himself and vice versa. You play from either the Texas Chainsaw Massacre guy or the victims, you know, or vice versa. So I want to hear your thoughts on this real quick before we head on to another game. Friday the 13th was highly successful and I forget there's some ridiculous amount of hours logged into that game but you know if if the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is anything like it I think that it's bound for success it has to be next on the list was a game that I really liked the kind of look and feel of it It was Homeworld 3 with some really cool space fighting and battleship runs where you're fighting against a lot of other fighters and then obviously trying to attack the big space battleships after that and making them explode so i kind of liked what i saw from homeworld 3 it's got a really nice design i'm not a big fan of like the space fighter games but this game does look cool i guess the big question here is it going to be one of those games that like slowly disappears off everybody's radar or is it going to come out and be as good as the trailers look next after that was a game based off the expanse which just posted its start of its Last and final season, and I'm hoping to get Marcus De La Garza back on. I've been talking with him. He's really excited for it, so I'm hoping to get him back on to share his thoughts on the final season of The Expanse. But he was really excited to hear about this game that's coming out. Your thoughts real quickly on The Expanse? I mean, it, they just showed a cutscene, or I don't even know if it's a cutscene. They just showed kind of like a commercial based off of you know the lead character and protagonist, so it may not even be a cutscene that's eventually included in the game, but... You know, at least it tells everybody out there, hey, we're working on something beyond The Expanse finally ending its run here in a bit on Amazon. Yeah, I think that it's going to do well among the fan base, but I don't think it's going to be pulling anybody new into it. Next thing I got on the list for you, my friend, was Babylon's Fall from Square Enix, which is coming out supposedly in March. It's a Dark Souls-like four-player co-op. It looked okay. I wasn't really super impressed with it, but... Because it's a Square Enix release, I want to hear your thoughts on Babylon's Fall. You know, this was a game I've actually been following for a while. Oh, I was, really? Well, I mean, I've been interested in playing it. Like, anytime a four-player co-op game comes out that's not a shooter, like, I am I'm intrigued, you know, because, like, I like those type of games. This one was weird to me because, like, I was excited about it, and, like, it, it looks okay, you know? It looks like your typical four-player co-op game with swords and stuff, but... What really killed it for me is the fact that it, you have to always be online to play it. Like of you course. can't, there's no mode where you can play it by yourself. And I think that that's going to be what really turns a lot of people off on this game. And, you know, we go back to our favorite four player co op games like Gears and Halo and Borderlands is the fact that you can always play these games without people if you so choose to do so. And I think that Babylon's always online thing is going to be a boon to it in the end. Monster Hunter Rise comes out with some DLC Sunbreak, which is going to be coming out in the summer 2022. More of the same, which is great for Monster Hunter fans, but do you think this is going to get people back into going ahead and playing Monster Hunter Rise? Like, I haven't played Monster Hunter Rise, but it has a fan base. You know, that's the important part. The movie did not kill the franchise. So, yes, I think people will go back and play this. How many people? It's hard to say. A lot of people I know do not play DLCs, you know, unless it's something of a game that they are, like, very passionate about. They'll play the game itself, 
and then they will either trade the game in or never go back to it. And that's why Far Cry has such a weird legacy because the DLC comes out and people have already gotten rid of the game. When we come back, we're going to be going really rapid fire on everything else because there was a ton of things that debuted at the Game Awards. So we're going to come right back and talk more great games right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson, recapping the Game Awards before we head on out. All right, my friend, we're going rapid fire on this Thirsty Suitors. A Bollywood fighting game with open world elements, kind of like Sunset Overdrive style. Your thoughts on this? Kind of unique, and I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks like something that hasn't been done before. I'm excited to play it. I'm excited to know more about it. Evil West, which is a demon-style third-person six-shooter in a Western protagonist. Kind of like looking like a Devil May Cry meets a Western. Yeah, not too much interest in this one. It looks okay, but it also looks like kind of cheap. Have a Nice Death, which is an interesting black and white platformer, which features a kind of little mini death as your protagonist, as a guy who's running around all over trying to you know, fight evil off or fight death off or fight whatever's going on. It's black and white universe right there between death and life. Your thoughts on this real quick? I also get fans of Cuphead, I'm sure. As for myself, not good at platformers. I don't know if I'm going to play this one, but it looks intriguing. I am intrigued. We'll talk about Cuphead here in a little bit. But Planet of Lana, it's a futuristic look at a chase between machines and a boy on a mechanical horse. Kind of like a side-scrolling type thing. It was was very pretty to look at. Your thoughts on Planet of Lana? Yeah, it looks all right. Kind of reminded me of like a side-scrolling version of Horizon down a little bit but yeah it could be cool i don't know you know if a lot of these games that i'm saying are okay i will probably only play them if they come out on games pass persona 4 arena ultramax it looked a lot more fun and looked a lot better than king of fighters 15 i'm thinking that if it is one of the major fighting game releases of next year when it's expected to come out i think if there's no more mortal Kombat or street fighter that comes out next year this could take the marketplace when it comes to fighting games. Possible. You know, we haven't heard anything about a Mortal Kombat coming out or any new uh, Street Fighter or whatever, so it's possible. Well, I'm telling you, my friend, next two I know you're really interested in. Hellblade 2, Sanua Saga. It's very photorealistic as far as the faces and physical detail. Absolutely. Yeah, the game, yeah, well, we'll see as far as the detail. They show some gameplay of it, but, you know, this was very impressive from a graphic standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I follow Ninja Theory on Instagram, and you can see they post videos of, like, the girl, Melanie, something or other, that does the mocap for Sinwa. And, like, you can see it is very in-depth. Like, they even put her in costume and paint her face, and they put all the motion cap on her. Like, it, 
they go to great lengths to really like be authentic with this character and knowing that the first game was six hours it didn't have as much development time as this one like i'm really excited to see like where they're going with this one how they tackle mental health next in gaming like this is probably one of my most anticipated games of 2022 one of your other games that you're anticipating although it's not coming until 2023 but it was officially announced but we all knew it was already coming out in fact we've already talked about it on this show is alan wake 2 Every year we have our E3 predictions. For the past 10 years, I've been saying, I want an Alan Wake 2. And lo and behold, it's happening. You know, Microsoft had the rights locked up. Finally, they went back to remedies after Control. Control kind of elaborated on what, what has happened. And boom, Alan Wake 2. And it's supposed to be remedies like, it's supposed to be one of the most terrifying games ever made. And I think that that's something that has really got me excited because this is, the first game was pretty scary as it was. So, I mean, what can they do next to really push that envelope? Star Wars Eclipse from Quantic Dream. No gameplay, of course, just a fancy cutscene trailer. Your thoughts on Star Wars Eclipse? Yeah, it could be cool. I mean, I was really excited by uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Quantic Dream doesn't really make like fantastic games. So I don't know how this is going to look, but definitely something that. I am intrigued, and I, I do enjoy me some single-player Star Wars games. Like many other games, it could be more style than substance. Exactly. The Lord of the Rings Gollum, no gameplay again, but it's more Gollum. Yeah, it's a, whatever. <laughs> Tachia, which is a young girl in an open-world island setting, you know, I was okay with it. It didn't speak to me one way or the other. Yeah, yeah, and same. Yeah, not really interested. Star Trek Resurgence. I would love a new Star Trek game, and I was really interested when I first saw this, but by the time the end of the trailer happened, I realized that this doesn't look like the highest of budgets of games. Does this look like it to you? No, it doesn't look like it's a big budget blockbuster by any stretch of the imagination, but Star Trek is not my thing. You know, I know Big Dog likes it, and he's been playing Star Trek online for a bit, so maybe he'll check it out, and we'll have some thoughts. Somerville which is from the inside and Limbo Makers, looks really, really good. This is one of my most anticipated for next year, adding more camera views and perspectives, even over their other games. Somerville really looks good. Yeah, yeah, this one does look great. Rumbleverse from Epic Games. So you beat them up where you're going against other people, and it's kind of like Super Smash Brothers in a Fortnite setting. Could this be their next Fortnite? I don't think there's going to be a next Fortnite, but it could be something, man. I don't know. I'm not too interested in it myself, but it could be pleasantly surprising. Elden Ring's next for us. Backstory trailer with no gameplay. Just really getting the details as far as the backstory on it. It's okay. You know, Elden Ring, I know, was voted the most anticipated game at the Game Awards. I'm not really anticipating it, but I know a lot of people are, especially looking forward to more of the Dark Souls type gameplay. Yeah, I'm, I am interested in playing Elden Ring. I, just my fear, like with Demon Souls and Dark Souls, the fact that I'm going to really love this game, but I'm not going to be able to finish it because I'm not good enough at video games to do it. Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine 2, another pretty much no gameplay, mostly cutscene type deal. It looks good. I know Robbie Ross, who loves the Warhammer series, who I spoke to last week on the Warhammer IP Really is looking forward to this, but it's going to, I think, just meet a niche for those customers and those gamers, but I don't know if it's going to reach out to anybody else. Yeah, probably not. Wonder Woman was announced from WB Games. Any uh, interest in that? 
Yeah, they didn't really show enough of it to really garner my interest. Traditionally, you know, like the Batman games have been pretty good. Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I want to see more. Speaking of DC, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. It was focusing on battling random enemy monsters and then the Flash as a as a mini boss there for you. I kind of like this concept. I'm looking forward to this game. Yeah, it looks cool. I'll probably get pushed back again, but yeah. Rocksteady makes pretty good games. And yeah, it looks looks cool. When we'll ever get to play it is anybody's guess, though. Sonic Frontiers, possible semi-open world game? Yeah, this one actually looks pretty cool. I've been saying it'd be fun to have a game like this for a long time. Not to say that like Sonic Colors was bad. It's just you have to evolve. That's why Mario 64 did so well. They opened up the world a little bit. So I think that having that potential of Sonic Frontiers could really like bring Sonic up to a level not quite where Mario is, but close. Saints Row reboot coming out next year. They showed off a little bit of that. It looks fun, but will it have the same charm as the original? Who knows at this point? My brother likes that game, so I'll have to talk to him about it. Destiny 2, The Witch Queen. Will this get people back into doing raids in Destiny 2? Yeah, I mean, people love Destiny 2, and I know there's a lot of talk going around the internet about, about Bungie at this current time. So yeah, I mean, I think that anything's better than nothing when it comes to Destiny. Cuphead in the Delicious Last Course, a.k.a. DLC. They go to an island with a lot more havoc. More Cuphead? Is that a good thing? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think so. People really like that game. It was a very ingenuitive game, Cuphead was. So yes, I do think that people will go back to that. Dune Spice Wars, that was announced as an RTS mm. coming out. I wish it would have been something else as far as a concern outside mm. of an RTS. I think it caters to the RTS niche, even if it's good, but it won't really reach and expand beyond that. Your thoughts on Dune Spice Wars? Yeah, not interested. A Plague Take Requiem. Very Horizon Zero Dawn-ish. In fact, I saw a couple games that really had that Horizon Zero Dawn vibe, not talking about the next Horizon that's coming out next year. I thought this looked very much like Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, it does. Has that definitely gives you those feels. It looks all right. I probably won't play it, but <laughs> could be something for somebody. Splitterhead from the creators of Silent Hill, horror game that's, that's coming out. Appointment that everybody felt knowing that that was not a new Silent Hill game did look pretty terrifying though. I gotta say, with that lady with the uh, thing coming out of her yeah. mouth, kind of terrified me. Why don't they just do Silent Hill? You know, they just finished that. You they just need to just need to you know the reboot right. that they were in process of making. They just need to finish that. But that's what's they need to give Nathan Fillion his own game, like a Slither game yeah. with Nathan Fillion based on that movie Slither. Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Is more Borderlands a good thing? I think you'll say yes. I absolutely would say yes. And yes, I am looking forward to playing this. You can never have too much Borderlands, but I hope that the skill trees aren't as complicated as Borderlands 3. That kind of ruined that game for me. Nightingale is an interesting concept combining 1880s protagonists with portals and fantasy monsters and locations. Your thoughts on Nightingale? That was interesting. I was intrigued by this one. I was trying to find more information on it, but there's not really a lot outside of what was shown at the Game Awards. So this is one I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on. About ready to start growing your hair, my friend, because Metal Hellsinger is coming out, and that's a rhythm-based Doom-like shooter with heavy metal music really influencing it. What are your thoughts on Metal Hellsinger? Get your hair started, man. Got to grow the hair. Yeah, I don't know. Like I already have a hard enough time playing in Doom, so I don't know if this is one I'm going to be diving into. GTFO, which is actually out now on Steam. I'm trying to see if I can get a review copy of it, but 
alien-esque style, Left 4 Dead style co-op shooter that's out now on Steam. I understand you mostly don't like Left 4 Dead style games, but it has that alien type atmosphere that I think may interest you at least a little bit. I'll have to check it out a little bit more. Forspoken, a girl from our time teleported to a fantasy world with magical powers and a very Horizon Zero Dawn, again, influenced look. It's a PS5 exclusive that's going to be coming out, I believe, next year is the target date. Yes, yeah, this is definitely one I do want to check out. It could be really bad, but I'm also, this is one of the games they premiered footage of when the PS5 was coming out, so this is one I, I do want to check out for sure. Crossfire is very reminiscent of Battlefield 2049 from Microsoft and Remedy. Yeah, probably not going to do this one. This, one, this one's a multiplayer game, yeah. isn't it? looks like yeah. it even though again they showed you no gameplay some of these are learning their lesson and showing gameplay and still a lot of others are just showing a cutscene that will not be part of the actual end game itself. Yeah. So, yeah. well and i think with crossfire is that it's got such a big following in the japanese market so i think they're just kind of like saying so the japanese people like crossfire so i think the american people will like it too but we'll see what happens with that one I have just a couple left, my friend. Arc Raiders, which looks like a multiplayer co-op soldiers versus the machines. Your thoughts on Arc Raiders? Yeah, no interest in this one. And then Among Us is coming to VR, which I think is going to be very interesting. Oh, it's going to be chaos. Like, I, I don't know if I'll play the game, but I think I want to watch videos of people playing the game because it could be very entertaining. You and I both. Definitely you and I both. But that's what was shown off at the Game Awards. I want to go ahead and close out the Game Awards conversation with the winner's list of the major categories for the Game Awards. Most anticipating game was Elden Ring. The best multiplayer game was It Takes Two. Best sim strategy game was Age of Empires 4. Best sports and racing game, no surprise, Forza Horizon 5. Best family game was It Takes Two. Best fighting game was Guilty Gear Strive. Best RPG was Tales of Arise, which I know Josh had said a lot of good things about. Best action-adventure game was Metroid Dread for the Nintendo Switch. Best action game, which is different from the best action-adventure game, okay, if you can imagine that, is Returnal on the PS5. Innovation in accessibility is Forza Horizon 5. Best VR game is Resident Evil 4. Best community support is Final Fantasy XIV Online. Best mobile game was Genshin Impact. Best debut indie game was Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Best indie game was also Kenna Bridge of Spirits. And that game looks really good. So I hope people give that a shot. Best ongoing game is Final Fantasy XIV Online. Games for Impact is Life is Strange True Colors. The best performance as far as from a motion capture or voiceover was Maggie Robertson from Resident Evil Village. Best audio design was Forza Horizon 5. Best score was Near Replicant. Best art direction was Deathloop. Best narrative was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Best game direction was Deathloop. Game of the Year. This was kind of a surprise. Came out of uh, left field. I think a lot of people were putting their money on Resident Evil Village or Deathloop because Deathloop got a lot of acclaim when it came out in September. But it takes two took the top spot for the game of the year. So your thoughts on this? I'm kind of surprised on it, my friend, that it takes to earn the top spot. Very good as far as the co-op action and obviously the coordination and the cooperation you have to have with the other player, whether it's couch co-op or whether it's online co-op. 
What struck me was the story about a couple that's leaning towards divorce and through the game it builds a relationship back up but the ending obviously is something I don't want to break out if it tells you that the couple ends up staying together or not. I do want to say the book character in it is really annoying. I had a chance to watch a lot of it recently and I'm just that book character is really annoying so I thought maybe it takes two shouldn't deserve the game of the year but that's just my assessment right there your thoughts and it takes to earning game of the year it's not what i would have given game of the year but apparently it reached out to a lot of people you know even like brian kane said he played it he's, or he's playing it with his wife so it must do some things man i just like i haven't had a chance to play because i don't have people to play it with you know it's hard when a game of the year is a co-op only game because then you don't really not to say they shouldn't win, but it's hard for like the average gamer to say like, oh, hey, yeah, that was definitely worth a choice. Because I would have given Resident Evil Game of the Year. I would have actually strayed to Chivalry 2, personally, as the Game of the Year, as far as it's concerned, had it been even nominated, because I know it's very highly received. Or I know a lot of people are talking about Hitman 3. I know with you, Forza Horizon 5. Yeah. yeah, that, that didn't get nominated for Game of the Year. Though. No, it, it like... got it got a lot of small nominations and stuff like that, which I just talked about. But yeah, it just it didn't Game of the Year, which is kind of surprising. But you know, it is what it is. Maybe they should like to shut out sports games and driving games. It yeah, is, yeah, just put it in its own category and leave it as is, which is unfair. But again, the Game Awards and recap. If you have any thoughts on it, please, we'd love to hear it. Are you excited about all the trailers or some of the games that have been announced? And also. Were you excited for It Takes Two taking a top spot at the Game Awards? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. We've got Melinda and I talking a lot of great things, including Spider-Man No Way Home that's coming out later this week. We're also going to be talking about The Witcher Season 2, maybe even MacGruber. I'm not sure yet, but definitely Spider-Man and The Witcher, plus so much more on the Friday show, plus... She wants to go in a little bit more detail on the passing of Anne Rice, the noted author of so many great books, including Interview with a Vampire. Plus also, we wanted to note the passing of Mike Nesmith that also trended worldwide, one of the founding members of the Monkees. And now there's actually, of the four, there's only one alive left with Mickey Dolenz. But my thoughts and prayers go to the families of Anne Rice and Michael Nesmith, the monkeys, and of course, noted author Anne Rice. My condolences to the families of both. Very sad. I know Mike and Mickey just finished a tour, which was going to be the last tour, most likely. It was ultimately the last tour, but it was noted as such and labeled as such. So he got to finish out on a high note, according to his managers. So he's very happy with that before he passed. So our thoughts and prayers to everyone out there that are saddened by the passing of Michael Nesmith from the Monkees and noted author Anne Rice. And I know Melinda wants to talk about it in great deal on the Friday show. So look forward to her thoughts on the passing of Anne Rice. But any last thoughts, my friend, on the way out? No, I think we have officially covered everything. Also, I was at Target yesterday and they have reproductions out of Castle Grayskull and they're huge. For $75. So if you're a toy hunter, stop by your local Target. Now, the recreations of that is probably nowhere near to what the original was. Because, you know, we saw that if you get a chance to watch Action Figure Adventure, you get to see what the actual original Castle Grayskull, which was a, a very much beloved and, and desired piece or set by Rob McCallum. So 
Yeah, yeah, and they had Eternia was another one where they Jay tried to buy it on one episode and ended up like the guy broke it trying to get it down off the shelf. It was in three pieces. Yeah, they do not make boys play sets like they used to for sure. Like the even just the GI Joe flagship or whatever. I'll tell you what, my friend. Though it's been a great ride indeed, but. If you have any thoughts, please let us know as we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture on Facebook right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.